That's big time. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Oh, did he belt that one? Intensity is not a perfume. It was a no-doubter. Five, four, three, two, one. We are up in the bird's nest here at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I'm Brendan Mortensen alongside Matt Bonaparte for our first bird's nest of 2024. Exciting stuff. Yes, sir. The new year. Woo. I'm pumped. Back after a holiday break. Hope you all had a wonderful holiday season and a good start to your new year. Thanks for starting out the new year with us. Bones, how was your holiday? It was lovely, man. Time off. It was good to be home. Uh, now back in the lovely charm city. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. How was yours? One. Just, just lovely. Glad That's to be great. back. Our, our whole thing for the episode today is to go over some New Year's resolutions for the Baltimore Orioles. And before we started this show, Bones looks at me dead in the eyes and says, well, I, quite frankly, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. I'm a birthday resolution kind of guy. That's, explain. Instead, it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> no, I need the explanation. All right. Instead of you doing it on New Year's, you do it on your birthday. Okay. That's it? That's, yeah, the, whole, that's, that's the whole, whole thing. Stick? Yeah, that's the whole thing. So when I everyone... Just, I, it's just going against the crowd. Really. When everyone was zigging, you were zagging. Yeah, it's going against the crowd. You know, right. everybody's making their resolution. The percentage of people who will follow through on New Year's is very low. On your birthday, there's not a lot of people doing it. It's probably higher. So you're just trying to get in the majority of... Well, you know, I know what, I'm, I'm going to follow through. Oh, you're you're confident in that? Yeah, of but course. your New Year's resolutions. You're my not resolution gonna. this year was to learn to shuffle cards. Did you do it? Well, my birthday was in December, so I still got a lot of time. You're putting it off? No, then. no. I just you know been busy, haven't had a deck of cards in my hand. Um, You've been too busy to shuffle cards at any point. I don't know how. So there's well, you know, hence the resolution. Yeah. Gonna have to learn. You're gonna have to. That's the plan. But what happens if you get to your next birthday and you do not know how to shuffle cards? Well, then it would be a failure, but I don't really plan on being in that situation. So next December, we'll check in and I'll have learned to shuffle cards. But that is a good resolution, though, because there's supposed to be like a, an actionable thing that you can like uh, tangibly figure out if you've done it or not and yeah. not just like do better at stuff. So, yeah, those are those are fooey. Yeah, so um, I plan to shuffle cards. So you don't have any New Year's resolutions? No. Just for the Baltimore Orioles? Just for the Orioles. I have some for the Orioles, yeah. Okay. Well, my New Year's resolution was to just give 110% execute. Okay, so you own just the fourth said, quarter. You just said yeah. that's supposed to be tangible. It's supposed to and be. And not supposed to be like a... I didn't do that. Give 110%. <laughs> no, I'm going to give 110%. That's my resolution. All right. Own the fourth quarter. Yeah, you own it. Yeah, speaking of the fourth quarter, good year to be an Orioles fan. Yeah. By the way, as we wrap Baltimore up 2023, fan, really. a Baltimore fan in general, as the Ravens wrapped up the number one seed in the AFC, the Orioles as the number one seed in the American League. First time that has happened for two teams from the same city in a while. Yeah. So as you start 2024, got to be feeling pretty good. As I a think Baltimore so. sports Absolutely. Fan. I mean, Ravens are exciting. Orioles are even more exciting, some would say. Some might say. Yeah. Some have said. We're going to say. Let's get into our New Year's resolutions for the Baltimore (laughs) Orioles here. As you said, they are supposed to be things that are, well, as I said, and then you reiterated and made fun of me for not following. They are supposed to be things that you can measure that, that are actionable goals, not just be better, maybe win more games. That's a, that's a good New Year's resolution, but I'm going to start with one. We'll kind of go back and forth here. 
My first New Year's resolution for the Baltimore Orioles is probably something that will get figured out over the next few weeks or so, and that is to figure out and define the roles for Tyler Wells and D.L. Hall. I'll start with Wells. He was a solid reliever for you back in 2021, was a Rule 5 draft pick, and you were really encouraged by what he gave you. Going into 2022, you didn't have a very deep starting rotation. Wells was a starter in the minor leagues, and Wells started 23 games that year, and he looked pretty good, looked even better in 2023 as a starter, was probably the best starting pitcher in your rotation to start the year for probably the first half of the year. And then the arm gets fatigued a little bit. You lose a little bit of steam, goes down to the minor leagues, comes back up, and then he's a reliever because the rotation at that point was pretty full after the trade for Jack Flaherty. So is Wells going to go into the year as a bullpen piece? We saw him at the tail end of the year. Seems like Brandon Hyde is comfortable using him in pretty high leverage situations. Could he be somebody who helps to fill in for the loss of Felix Bautista? You could see Wells in the seventh, eighth inning as you know, a, a compliment to Yenier Cano, Danny Coulomb, potentially D.L. Hall as well. Probably won't be closing out too many games, but maybe he gives Craig Kimbrell a night off here and there if it's a four or five run game rather than a two or three run game. Or do you decide that whatever starting pitchers are available on the market weren't better than Tyler Wells and just keep him in the starting rotation? But you've got to figure out what that role is going to look like going into the season because... We have seen, I know Tyler Wells isn't the youngest guy. He's not a prospect. It's not the same case as D.L. Hall. But how many times have we seen pitchers just really struggle to find a rhythm because they are in the bullpen one day and then they're making spot starts and then they're back in the bullpen and they're all over the place. So whatever the role for Tyler Wells is going to be, define it. Sure. And I think that comes in spring training probably. Yeah. Um, because like you said, he could start in the starting rotation as we saw him do plenty last year. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of arms in competition there. So right. uh, likely we'll see a battle of uh, guys who could be in the starting rotation and he'll definitely be in that mix. Same with DL Hall, who probably has some expectation that he'll be up there. So uh, I think that, like you said, one, good problem to have. Two, he could end up in a multitude of different roles yeah. uh, to start the season, whether that be the rotation, long relief, give Kimbrell a night off kind of thing. Um, so either of those guys are great arms, but still need to have a role going into the season for sure. Yeah, and that resolution was more so for me for D.L. Hall because this is still a young prospect-ish kind of player. He's not technically a prospect anymore, but you haven't seen a ton of D.L. Hall. Still waiting for level. a full year. Yeah, he's made one total start in the big leagues. Didn't look great. It was a tough situation to throw him into. Looked awesome out of the bullpen. You and I have talked a lot on this show about how D.L. Hall's upside as a reliever is really, really high. Yes. This could be somebody who is a Josh Hader type of dominant closer yeah. at the big league level. If that's what you want to make D.L. Hall, fine. But if you want him to be a starter, again, you got to figure it out this offseason, and this isn't something that I'm saying, ah, the Orioles need to do this. They're not going to do it. They're going to do it, but it's just something that is necessary, especially for somebody like D.L. Hall, who is still young in his development. If the plan is just to make him a reliever long-term, then do that. Let's see how, how D.L. Hall operates with 40 appearances out of the bullpen, with, yeah. with more than that. Stretch him out throughout an entire season. Let's see what he can do in 2024. 
But if the plan is to try to see what you have in him as a starter, then let's see that. But let's not see it for one start. Let's see it for 15 before we make a determination on whether D.L. Hall is or is not a starter moving forward. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Um, I think that, again, like, there aren't a lot of teams that have this kind of talent just floating around near the starting rotation. So you have to be happy about that. But at the same time, you're going to want to utilize these guys in the best way possible uh, because you can't really dilly-dally. Uh, as these guys, no dillying nor dallying. <laughs> they're getting towards we'll their primes, uh, and you don't want to waste them, obviously. And I don't think they will. So right. it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, my first resolution is find another diamond in the rough. Ooh-hoo. I want to see the O's go out there and pick up a guy uh, like an Aaron Hicks or a Danny Coulomb or a Ryan O'Hearn once again uh, and turn them into an everyday player or near uh, the level of an all-star like those guys played for the O's last year. Um, maybe it's Jonathan Heasley out of the bullpen. Could maybe be. it's Sam Hilliard, who they claimed. Uh, I don't know. forget about Sam Hilliard. People really do forget about Sam Hilliard, and he might be your diamond in the rough this year. I don't know. But yep. that's the beauty of the diamond in the rough is that we don't know, and then we get to say, whoa, this guy's sick. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to see the O's go out there and get one of those guys because I think that's something that goes wildly underrated in terms of championship teams. Mm -hmm. A lot of championship teams, if not all of them, have a couple of guys who are overperforming or are playing above the level in which you expected them to play. I don't know why it comes to mind, but Orioles legend Steve Pierce uh, won a World Series MVP with the Red Sox, turned into Babe Ruth against the Dodgers in 2018. Yeah. Nobody expected him to do that, but he did, and he was huge for them that series. So that's just an example uh, of a player going out there and doing it for a playoff team. And I think uh, for a team like the Orioles, who are trying to um, continue after a really, really strong 2023 season, you're going to want guys who can do that and give maybe your stars a night off and come out there and pretty much give you the same exact uh, kind of production. So go out there and get me another Hicks, O'Hearn, Coulomb in the bullpen, a Cano like this year. Maybe not that level because he's been fantastic, uh, but that would be great. Yeah, I mean, that's what separates good teams from great teams, right? I mean, you can look around baseball You can talk about the Dodgers from last year. Had all the star power in the world in MVP-type players in Mookie Betts and in Freddie Freeman. Didn't have enough on the margins to get it done. Their depth wasn't very good. They didn't have, you know, their seven through nine hitters contributing. Yankees, same thing. Got one of the best players in baseball in Aaron Judge. Garrett Cole won a Cy Young. Didn't have enough good players on the margins. And that's where the Orioles were able to take advantage. So, absolutely, if you can find another Ryan O'Hearn type of player, that's going to go a big way in more winning in 2024. My second resolution here, figure out what to do with the prospects. Yeah. I mean, we are beating this same drum over and over again on this show, but you kind of have to because it has been years of conversation at this point where you're looking at the Orioles farm system, you're looking at the top 10 guys in the system and there are some surefire starters at the top, right? I'm not talking about Jackson Holiday. I'm not saying figure out what to do with the number one prospect in baseball. I have a good idea. You start him every day whenever he is ready to get the call up to the big leagues, which could be opening day. I'm not even really talking about Colton Kowser or Heston Kerstad or Kobe Mayo. I think those guys, when they are up, you know, Mayo especially probably out of that group, is going to get pretty consistent reps, you would have to imagine. Kowser and Kerstad, I think, fall a little bit more into the category of, you know, Kowser, Kerstad, Ortiz, Norby. 
what does their role look like in 2024? Because as good of a problem as it is, I understand that injuries happen, that trades happen, that you know guys struggle. What There are a lot of things that you can't predict during a baseball season. And it is really nice to have such a stacked AAA group of talent with guys like Ortiz and Norby and Kerstad and Kowser that if somebody gets injured at the big league level, you can call on any of those guys. And they're not just going to be serviceable. They're more than likely going to be really good big league players. But it is still a problem when there is a logjam in the way that there is right now. Because guys like Ortiz and Norby, they are too good to just be sitting in AAA. And it is nice to have them as depth. It is nice to, like I said, anytime somebody gets injured or there is a trade or anything like that, you can call on any of those guys and they are going to, more than likely down the line, turn into good big league players. But are they trade pieces? Are they depth pieces? Are they going to get close to everyday reps? Are they just going to be your fourth or fifth infielder or your fourth or fifth outfielder in the case of Kowser and Kerstad? Yes, it's a good problem to have, but you still need to make the correct moves and move those chess pieces in the right ways to make sure that you are sustaining winning down the line. Yeah, and honestly, I'm going to go right into mine here because it's very similar. Yeah. Um, I want to see the youngsters play in the big leagues. I want to see what these guys can do, Yeah. especially Jackson Holiday. I want to see him on the opening day roster, see what he can do out there. I want to see Kerstad and Kowser play in the big leagues. Give them a long time to show us what they are. You know, like you said, you don't want to see these guys just continue to be trade pieces forever, potential trade pieces. You see it on Twitter, whatever. Maybe this guy gets thrown there. Maybe this guy gets thrown there. I want to see what these guys can do at the big league level. We saw both of them in the bigs last year, Kowser and Kerstad. uh, Shorter stints. Uh, Kerstad, right at the end of the season, made the playoff roster. We didn't see him do a lot in the playoffs, uh, but... Kowser only got a little bit of time in the MLB. I'd like to see both those guys play and give them some kind of time. Yeah, you're you're in a tough situation here, right? This is why Michael Elias and company are making the decisions and we are not. Because it's easy to say, let's see the young guys play. Let's see what you have in Colton Kowser and what you have in, in Kerstad and Ortiz and Norby and Mayo. That's all fine and dandy. But at the same time, the team just won 101 games. It's and true. Save for, you know, Gunnar Henderson, who lit the world on fire when he came up, even Adley Rutschman struggled in his first month in the big leagues because that's what's going to happen when you go up from AAA to the major leagues. And as much as I want to agree with you and say, let's give those guys a longer leash and see what they can do, you're in a difficult spot when your window for winning is right now. We didn't really think that going into the 2023 season. We weren't expecting, nor was anybody, that the Orioles would win 101 games. And you did see Colton Kowser play in 25 games, which isn't a lot. That's not a ton. I would love to see Colton Kowser get a longer leash there, as would you. But at the same time, Kowser struggled in those first 25 games, which is not a knock on him, understandably so. But Colton Kowser hit a buck 15 with a 433 OPS in 25 games. And Kowser has a ton of upside. I think he's going to be a very good major league player. He is one of the top prospects in baseball for a reason. But if you are a 100-win team that has 
expectations and hopes of winning the division again, of making the playoffs again, of winning close to 100 games again, how long is your leash going to be for even a top prospect that is understandably going to struggle a little bit in their first taste of the big leagues? It's hard. It is incredibly hard. I'm not saying it's easy. Um, But I also feel like if you don't give them the time to struggle, it's difficult to watch them grow out of that. Absolutely. 100% agree. If if Kowser, like a guy like Kowser, you said, 25 games didn't play well, it's hard for him to then work through that if he doesn't get the opportunity to do so. Right. Um, So I'd like to see him get some at-bats. I'm not saying these guys have to play every day or something. Yeah. um, But... You know, just give him a shot instead of signing somebody or something like that. Maybe turn towards one of those guys and, and see what they can do in the big leagues uh, and give them an opportunity to try and work through uh, the struggles that come with the jump from the minors to the majors. Yeah, so. but then, of course, that that kind of falls back into my resolution as well in terms of figuring out what to do with yeah, these guys. Sure. If you're looking at that situation saying, let's use Colton Kowser as an example, you know, if you are taking a situation like that and saying, well, they're not really going to get everyday reps, so it's hard for them to find a rhythm, but, you know, when they are getting at-bats, they're not really hitting the way that we are hoping they yeah. would, but we're a 100-win team, we can't really afford to give him everyday reps if he's going to struggle for a little while, then the obvious kind of solution there, not, not a solution if that's not what you want to do, but an obvious possibility is, hey, you could trade him to a team that's going to have the time to give him everyday reps to let him develop into a big league player. A team sees the value in that, and then they give up you know, a, a talented major league player that doesn't align with their window for winning, and then all of a sudden you've got a trade partner. Yeah, I mean... It's a possibility. We'll see, like you said at the beginning of this, is what will happen in the next couple of weeks um, because this log jam isn't... Turning into any less of a logjam. <laughs> no, it's not. And I do not envy Michael Elias and company for having to figure out how to move those chess pieces. A- yeah. And we could see some of those prospects get moved in a trade. We have heard rumors about guys like Jesus Lazardo and Dylan Cease down the stretch here. So this problem could really work itself out over the next few weeks. But when we go into spring training, I'm anticipating a lot of roster battles. A lot of ba- competition for that 26-man sure. roster. It's going to be exciting, but you've got to move the pieces in the right way. My next resolution, Bones, is dingers. Hit more dingers. Just 17th in home runs in baseball this year. Behind the Rays, Yankees, and Blue Jays in the division, you hit just one more home run than the Boston Red Sox. Didn't have anybody on the team this year with 30 home runs. In 2021, you had Ryan Mountcastle with 33, Cedric Mullins with 30, In 2022, you had Anthony Santander with 33 homers. In 2023, you had Anthony Santander and Gunnar Henderson lead the team in home runs with 28. Let's just see some more dingers. I like dingers. Let's hit more dingers. Home runs are fun. Home runs are Um, fun. Confirmed. I do like them. And there's a lot of power on this team. And I think that a guy like Gunnar will surely be hitting 30 home runs a year uh, at some point in his career. Maybe that starts next year. Yeah. Yeah. Adley could get there as well. Santander could be there. We've already seen Mullins do that. Uh, Mountcastle surely could be there. Yeah, there's plenty of players um, who Kerstad could do that. in a Kerstad, full DH yep. role could probably mm-hmm. do that as well, which is what interests me too about having Ryan O'Hearn in your DH role because he is a kind of a power hitting first baseman, but he only had 14 home runs last year. The OPS was over 800. That's great. 
but that's because the batting average was 290. So I will be interested to see if the Orioles kind of go back to that more traditional designated hitter role of just guy who hits dingers. (laughs) Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, I have a similar, but not the same. Once again, whoa, keep hitting doubles. Yeah, I, this team was third in the majors in doubles this year. They had 309, only behind the Red Sox, which are the division rival. Uh, they did come in last, so not an exact, um, you know, success barometer. But hey, second was the Rangers, who won the World Series. So continue to hit doubles. I love that this team was pure hitting. They hit, yeah, they hit a ton of home runs. Uh, not you know, a top half in the league. So we would like to see more of those. But I like to also, I like that this team wasn't a home run or strikeout team. Is that they got on base, they hit a lot of doubles, they moved uh, guys uh, from base to base, got guys home, played some small ball. Um, I really, really like that this team had three guys with 30 or more doubles, nine guys with 20 or more doubles. Yeah. Uh, A lot of really good hitting players on this team. I want to see doubles and I want to see home runs. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm nitpicking with the 30 home runs thing because that's literally just a round number. And you had two guys that hit 28 home runs, but there weren't a lot of things dating back to last year that I looked at and said, man, the Orioles really need to get better at that in 2024. That's kind of what happens when you have the second most wins in baseball and to your point, they were hitting a ton of doubles. They were 10th in all of baseball in batting average, which is great. And we're going to see guys get called up this year that hit a lot of doubles yep. in 2023. Jackson Holiday is a really good gap-to-gap power sort of hitter. Not sure if he's going to hit 25 homers at the big league level, but I think Jackson Holiday is going to hit a lot of doubles. You had Kobe Mayo and Connor Norby, who each knocked 40-plus doubles last season down in the minor leagues. Those two guys, again, I mean, Kobe Mayo could hit 30 home runs if he is an everyday sort of player down the line. Connor Norby could hit 25, but those guys both have really good gap-to-gap power as well. So good resolution to keep hitting those doubles. It's good work there. (laughs) I've got another one in a team area of improvement that I would like to see from the Orioles, and that's to steal more bases. Mm. It is kind of shocking how few bases the Orioles stole this year. I mean, they were 16th in baseball, which is right around middle of the pack. That's fine. But when you talk about the Orioles, especially in 2023, what was kind of the narrative around them? It was that they were a really young, fun, athletic team. And when you thought of the athleticism, I suppose you can just kind of think of it defensively, where you had a bunch of guys that were capable of playing multiple positions. You had a really fast outfield. It was just a good young athletic team, but you only stole 110 bases, excuse me, 114 bases on the season, which was 16th in all of baseball. You had Jorge Mateo with 32 steals. You know, that's what Jorge Mateo gives you, but nobody else had more than 20. I know Cedric Mullins was hurt, for a good bit of the season, but Cedric Mullins had just 19 stolen bases last year, which is kind of shocking given the amount of steals we saw around baseball this year with the rule changes and everything else. Cedric Mullins is somebody who could very easily steal 30 plus bases a year. He stole 34 in 2022, 30 in 2021 during his 30, 30 season. And then you're losing guys that were, your biggest base-stealing threats, but they weren't even really base-stealing threats. You had Adam Frazier, who was third on the team in steals with 11 
Yeah, that's crazy. 11's not a lot of stolen bases I would to be not third have, on the team. I would not have guessed he no, was No, Aaron Hicks was fifth on the team yeah, with six stolen wild. bases. After Cedric Mullins with 19, you had Gunnar Henderson with 10 steals. Mm-hmm. I think Gunnar Henderson can nab a lot more bases than that. Austin Hayes had five. Wow. Which is weird. Yeah. Because Austin Hayes is fast. He is fast. He's objectively one of the fastest players on the team. Cedric Mullins is also really fast and had back-to-back seasons of stealing 30-plus bases. Let's get aggressive on the base paths here, fellas. I mean, Austin Hayes had six steal attempts. He was only caught once. I I mean... That's shocking to me. You got to imagine as the game leans more towards stolen bases, they'll, you know, be there as well. Yeah. Uh, But that definitely is an uncharacteristic year for them in terms of uh, bases snacked because i mean if you look at the team top to bottom just in terms of speed i'd say they're a pretty fast team that's what i'm saying like the orioles were a very athletic team yeah that is the entire conversation around them last year steal more bases yeah i like that i like that resolution my voice is getting really high (laughs) um yeah they do need to steal more bases steal more bases my final resolution here is uh one that is a little bit less uh, quantitative and uh, more of a vibes, more of a vibes. Okay. And this is kind of like a feel of the league a little bit. I want to f- see the Orioles further establish themselves as one of those teams in major league baseball that can pull arms out of nowhere and make a guy an elite arm from nothing. They you know, do be doing that. Yenier Cano did it last year. Danny Coulomb as well. We've talked about them at nauseum at this point. Yeah. I think that they're pretty much already on that track. I just want to see them further establish themselves as a team like the Rays or the Dodgers or even the Guardians who can just kind of say, oh, yeah, that guy, he's now throwing 105 and has a sinker that goes across the zone. Yeah. Um, so Because I think that's something that uh, just brings a lot of wins. And we've seen a team like the Rays, a division rival, go out there and been doing something like that that has gotten them a lot of success. Yeah. So many guys on that team you've never heard of before come out of the pen and are just elite. We saw it with Robert Stevenson, who we talked about on this show. Yep. He wasn't a nobody when he got to the Rays, but when he did, they turned him into an elite arm. Yep. So I really would like to see the Orioles uh, continue to position themselves into a spot uh, in which they're one of the feared teams in terms of, okay, they just got this guy who's got some good stuff, has some things to work out, but you know they're going to get the job done, and he's going to be at least a near all-star potential player like Yenier Cano was this year, an all-star in Seattle. Yeah, here's what I'd say to that. I think I'm with you on maybe the general conversation piece of it where, like you said, you always hear about the Rays, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Guardians, yeah. where they take a reliever and it's like, ah, oh, great, here we go. <laughs> I mean, you see it with the Rays in like even the Tyler Glass now trade where yeah. they got a few pieces back and it's like, great, they just got an all-star starting pitcher for the next five years. And also they have did it with Glass now, who was talented right. when he came from Pittsburgh, but he didn't even play that much in Tampa. And then, you know, he goes and gets an extension like that with the Dodgers because of what Tampa did to him and what the Dodgers can do to him. I will say to that point, I think probably the conversation around baseball, if you are asking other organizations, I'm sure the Orioles probably have that reputation. Sure. No, I'm just saying, I I, I think I'm not, I'm not talking in in terms of MLB front offices. In general conversation, I'm with you on that. But we have seen the Orioles do it with Felix Bautista, with Yenier Cano, with Danny Coulomb. I, with Tyler Wells, yep. a, a Rule 5 draft Plenty pick. Of guys. So I think other front offices around baseball 
are probably looking at the Orioles knowing that they can do that. Yeah, absolutely. But to your point, you probably need a little bit more of a track record. You need more of guys like, you know, Clay Holmes with the Yankees, of Mm -hmm. guys, you know, like the Rays, you mentioned Robert Stevenson there, with Evan Phillips with the Dodgers. You, You need a couple more years probably of that track record for, you know, the media to understand that, yes, the Orioles do. Or the casual fan. Or the casual fan to say, yes, the Orioles do deserve to be a part of that conversation because I would say they are. Yeah, I I mean, I think so too. But again, I'm talking about people who aren't us or MLB front offices. Yes. Well, well, those people should tune in to the bird's nest. It's true. And then they would know that the Orioles are a part of that conversation. Well, we really thought on this show after a week off that we would be bringing you some sort of hot stove news, whether that was Orioles-related, AL East-related, anything like that. The stove has been not even lukewarm. Quite dormant. It hasn't been a lukewarm stove. I mean, you had the big Yamamoto deal to the Dodgers because, of, of course, you did. Really, the only other moves of significance around the AL East, you had Isaiah Conner-Falefa going to the Tampa, excuse me, to the Toronto Blue Jays. The Red Sox traded Chris Sale to the Atlanta Braves. That was a big AL East move. They get Vaughn Grissom back. Outside of that, I mean, uh, Frankie Montas goes to Cincinnati, so he won't be with the Yankees anymore, but I don't think the Orioles even saw him in a Yankees uniform, or if they did, it was maybe for a start or two. Uh, uh, not much. Not much. Yeah. They just hasn't been any. I mean, honestly, the biggest news is guys leaving the division. Yeah. Like Sale and uh, Montas. But, uh, and honestly, the Yankees not getting Yamamoto. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, Jack Flaherty much. went to Detroit. I, I think we briefly mentioned that. I don't know, man. Uh, the they stove not is, not, is not producing a lot here. Unless we want to talk about Cody Morris to the Yankees for a while. I don't want to. I, I don't want to either. <laughs> I mean, they've got Jeter Downs. Uh, then it's cool. Not much else has gone on. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing to report from our end here. No, no. And you know, as Rockabaco mentioned on on MassInSports.com this morning, reporting that the Orioles are still active in trade talks. We have heard rumors going around again about guys like Jesus Lazardo, like Dylan Cease. We have mentioned a lot on this show about how the Marlins and White Sox and even the Mariners are teams that make sense as trade partners for the Baltimore Orioles. The Marlins, again, as they kind of have been for the last, seems like, five years or so, have a lot of young starting pitching talent, not a lot of young hitting talent. So they seem to be a team that would line up very well with the Orioles. And Dylan Cease, it it seems like the White Sox want to move on from Cease. We have heard the trade talks just, you know, I haven't heard specifics, but the rumors have been swirling for quite a long time now. The Orioles can get just about anybody that they want. It's about the value of the deal. It's about the value of the deal and whether or not it just, it makes sense. And because I heard, they won't lose a bidding war. I mean, the, the reports on the cease trader that the White Sox want, you know, everything. And, uh, you know, the teams aren't going to do that for yep. a guy who's coming off a pretty rough season who has upside, of course, and has shown it just a couple of years ago with a, what was it, a, a very low two ERA. And then last year, something in the mid fours. Um, but you're just not going to trade all your top prospects for a guy like that. And the Orioles are smart not to do so. And uh, if you are an Orioles fan that is kind of waiting by your Twitter updates, seeing if the Orioles are going to do something 
I understand because the talk all offseason long has been the Orioles are going to go after a high-end starting pitcher. We have seen those guys come off the board or start to come off the board in free agency. There are still guys available like Jordan Montgomery and some names like that. I think the much more likely avenue is a trade from everything that we have heard. But just be patient. And the Orioles have, again, I know when you are looking at the prospect list, it is easy to point at guys and say, well, just trade that guy and trade that guy because they are really, really good prospects and they would start on this team and I want a starting pitcher. So that's an easy move to make. But you trade the wrong guy and all of a sudden you are looking at, you know, maybe a starting pitcher that doesn't pan out and you gave out gave up somebody who's an everyday starter. Yeah. Yes, the prospects are good. Yes, they can get just about anybody. But that's also increasing your risk of trading. Yeah, trading prospects is not a perfect sign. Excellent it player. Incredibly difficult. That turns into somebody who could have won you more baseball games than the guy that you traded for. So while I understand that it may be a little bit frustrating to just kind of wait and see if the Orioles end up making a move, the patience is a good thing. You don't want to be hasty in a trade that will, you know, if the Orioles trade for a big-name starting pitcher, that's going to involve some big-name prospects. And that should not be a conversation nor a decision that is taken lightly or without a lot of time. Yeah, and with the the Otani and the Yamamoto deals, the, the market has been set pretty high. So I think there's a lot of teams out there right now probably waiting for it to cool off a little bit before they make moves. Because even a guy like Frankie Montas got a pretty big deal from the Reds after not pitching yeah. uh, very much. So, I mean, he got $16 million, but he didn't... I don't know if he played in one game last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, the offseason's not an easy thing to traverse, and I'm sure the Orioles are doing everything in the best interest of the team. Patience will be a virtue for Orioles fans. I, I do still anticipate a move somewhere down the line and who knows maybe it'll be a fun exciting one maybe it'll be one to just kind of sure up the rotation a little bit but I can't imagine that the Orioles are just done yeah I agree we will see what happens whatever does end up happening we will have you covered here on the bird's nest and all across your mass and Orioles feeds on social make sure you're tuning into the hot stove show as well every Thursday but that'll just about do it For this week's edition of The Bird's Nest, our first show of 2024, thank you for starting your new year off with us. Big thank you to Amy Jennings behind the scenes for producing this one. For Matt Bonaparte, I'm Brendan Mortensen. We will catch you next time.